0: Hello, Simone. We are here again with more shocking stats on how quickly fertility rates are falling in some parts of the world.
1: The,
0: the latest ones that really got me and, and honestly, whenever I look at the Chinese numbers, I'm always just flabbergasted at how bad things are. And, and I should point out here just so people are under no illusions here because there is this popular myth that Chinese fertility rates are falling because of the one child policy. This is is a myth, okay? Chinese fertility rates are not, they are falling much faster now than under the one-child policy. They are much lower now than they were under the one-child policy. They did not fall because of the one-child policy. They fell due to a few issues that we are going to be discussing that are actually very similar to some of the issues that Korea and Japan have with their fertility rates. Would you like to know more? And hmm. in a way, are tied to being too conservative, which is really interesting and goes back to this Arya Babu study that we've mentioned before, which shows that in Europe, the more conservative a country is on average, the lower their fertility rate. While the more conservative a population group is in a country is, the higher their fertility rate, which goes against what a lot of people assume is, is is the case. So, this shocking statistic that I saw that really got to me, and was that. Over the past 10 years, so from 2022 back to 2012, the number of babies born in China per year dropped from 16 million all the way down to only 10 million. Over a 10-year period, that is a 37.5% decline. That is stunning and shocking. Like wow. Wow. But it gets more interesting than this. Like, it's not like China isn't trying to prevent this decline right now. And why this is all relevant is I actually think it's very relevant to the United States. And it's very relevant to some of the reproductive strategies men have decided to reactively begin to attempt. And I think due to the rise of feminism and an overcorrection for that. Hmm. And I think That it is these strategies that we see mirrored sort of what happens to the populations that adopt them. We see that in what's going on in China right now, in what's going on in Korea right now. So Simone, you had read an article. I'd love you to go into this.
1: Yeah. I mean, what got me thinking about this was I got a Google alert because we have a demographic collapse. Google alert, of course, for an article on Business Insider India, so totally random, titled Chinese women are fed up with Xi Jinping's attempts to make them have more and more kids. And the article talks about how basically the CCP has had like they've had they've made speeches, they've said we need to create a new trend of family and they're trying to create matchmaking events and getting get more people to get married and she said he wants the chinese people to quote actively cultivate a new culture of marriage and childbearing to strengthen guidance on young people's view on marriage childbirth and family and then that the article talks about it basically like chinese women aren't having it but chinese women are pushing back i can't afford to take care of anything else aside from my parents and work molly chen told the wall street journal so there's just basically like women to a great extent are like, they're hearing what the government is saying. They're also like well aware that Mm -hmm. their access to reproductive choice is being removed, but they're just not, they're not going to comply. I think this is going to be another lying flat issue. And the the article does note also that there has been a meaningful decline, not just in births, but in registered marriages. So they fell from 13 million to 2013 to 6.8 million in 2022. So this is like
0: a 13 million to 6.8 million. How <laughs> far apart were those two numbers? 10 years.
1: So yeah, 2013, 13 million, 2022, 6.8 million. So almost falling in half, like cutting in half. This is holy. Shit. I know. That is bad.
0: And I was looking to see with all of China's efforts to try to get their fertility rate up again, I couldn't find this year's statistics because, uh, well, here's the name of an article. China deletes leaked stats showing plunging birth rate for 2023. <laughs> I was like, how, how bad they do in 2023? Apparently so bad that China's now trying to scrub the internet of how bad they're doing in
1: 2023. I mean...
0: Um, and so we have talked about some things that lead to this in China, Right. One of the things that we've talked about that leads to this in China is just a lack of hope. You know, like, why does Israel have a high fertility rate despite, you know, its economic prosperity? When when Israelis are pressuring other Israelis to have kids, it's not so that the the, the entrenched power structure of their country can maintain their, their wealth. It's because they believe they're in an existential battle for their survival. When the Chinese CCP government tells your average Chinese, you know, teen, go have kids, that person is like, what? So you can keep More power and more money, and my family has no real chance of moving up within our society. No, screw you. There isn't. No, no, it's it's true. And, And that is one thing that's causing this. And another thing that's causing this is a genuine lack of belief that there's hope for the future of the country within China which always depresses the country's fertility rate. Another thing that's causing this is the lack of diversity within China. As we've said, you know, the less diversity you have within an area, typically the lower the fertility rate is going to be, uh, especially if you have some conflict within these, these diverse populations because that spikes fertility rates because it gives people an understanding of this is who I am, this is who they are, and uh, we are in some form of of hopefully friendly competition.
1: Yeah, you have a team now, to root for, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, team to root for, right? You know, that's how you get people to go crazy at the sports games and everything. So, okay, all that being the case, there is another area where China's really failing and where South Korea's really failing and where mm-hmm. Japan's really failing mm-hmm.
1: that we really- Well, and we're arguably the United States and Europe are failing too. Beginning to, yes, not quite as bad. Yeah, no, um, it's not nearly as bad, but I- think we need, to t- we need to go there.
0: It, it is the conservative attitude with which men are approaching the marriage marketplaces. Mm-hmm. And when I say conservative attitude, I don't mean conservative like doing things the way they used to be done. It's conservative in not ceding any of the rights that men had historically. As they are gaining additional privileges that they wouldn't have had in a historic context. Mm -hmm. So what do we mean by this as women have been able to make their own money have been able to enter the job market, particularly within countries like China and South Korea. The men are not letting them out of any housework. They are not contributing to childcare. They are putting on this, what in the U.S. I think is defined by this ultra Chad aesthetic that to an extent is pushed by individuals like Andrew Tate and stuff like that. And women, when they go out and they want to date and they see the lifestyle that they're going to have with these people, they're just like, no, fuck it. It's better to be single. Yeah. Why would you
1: like voluntarily become someone's servant for the rest of your life while you still have to work. Well, and while you still have to take care of your parents in China too, like, you know, like screw that. Like I 100% I would not, I would not even consider it. Like I I haven't picked up anything from uh, Chinese culture or even Korean culture around marriage, though I would say that the Korean couples that you and I know are like really awesome share the burden but they're also very modern and they work together um, Yeah. So, you know when well, that's maybe. very rare for korea <clears throat> yeah right they're like the the only ones we know are like extremely unusual and they're also happy but they're unusual for I mean, but, like but the but the typical guy right the typical south korean the typical japanese guy the typical chinese guy is going to yeah just totally not <clears throat> like I, I i just i've never seen examples of them being like Yeah, I'll help around the house. Yeah, I mean, like, in animes, there are examples of these. Like, this is romanticized, right? Of, like, the dad really helping out with a ton of stuff. But I haven't seen it in reality no
0: and, and it's worse than that as well the deal that you are getting as a woman in these countries is even worse than that so one thing that's really really common in these cultures is i don't know what word i'd use for it, but whoring i when i was working in south korea was on a number of occasions invited to brothels with other men and and i'd like i have a wife and they're like what does that have to do with anything <laughs> they're like come on this is like a group bonding exercise and i never ended up going that's was it gross to me? Um, Like I don't, I don't find, And I've mentioned this before. I have a really high aversion to women with a high body count. Like it's, it's, it wasn't even just a loyalty to my wife. Not even
1: aversion to that. You, you lived in the brothel area because it was cheaper. You don't, Like, not as, it just, you wouldn't want to sleep with them.
0: No, 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 but I mean a sexual aversion. Like, I find them very unattractive, no matter how, like, attractive on their face they are. It's just, to me, a gross idea, even outside of any loyalty I have to my wife. Within the West, you wouldn't do that. At a a VC firm, you would not, like, approach people at another VC firm and say, like, hey, let's go cheat on our wives. Like, even if people cheat in Silicon Valley, even if there are these sex parties in parties exist for people in explicitly open relationships, which is common in Silicon Valley. Or they are seen as sort of like a naughty thing that you shouldn't be doing. Not like a formalized part of the culture. And this is... So as a woman, you're getting so, so, so little when you marry in these cultures. Really, all you're getting is kids and maybe getting your parents off your back. In fact, that's another really interesting thing was in these cultures is a huge motivator for marriage and kids is the externality of the parents asking for the grandkids. Mm -hmm. And... That is something that is not as common in the United States. And I actually think it increases our marriage rate. And people might be like, wait, why would not being constantly pressured by your parents to do something increase the rate at which it happens? Um, And the answer is, imagine if your parents... You know, every week we're asking you, are you having enough sex? Are you having enough sex? Like, have you had sex yet? You'd probably (laughs) not have sex for a really long time, just out of obstinance to your parents. You know, the stage at which you need to do this is a stage that humans have this natural biological instinct to rebel It just sort of distance themselves from their family and build their own life. I mean, so parents pushing that at that age can cause people to build an additional amount of questioning around this, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when it's also coming from the government as well. But this also comes to our own country, right? So many guys are looking at the ways that the marriage market is breaking. And instead of going out there and saying, okay, well, then I need to find these rare women who are still high-quality marriageable material, I am just going to act in this way that is totally degrading of all women. And as we've pointed out many times, it is not that this act will not get you sexual partners. It will but it will get you the type of sexual partner, the type of woman who would sleep with a guy who she met randomly because he turned her on, which is generally not the type of woman you want to marry the type of woman you want to marry. And these women are out there because we talk to them, you know, we see them. They are the women who desperately want to get involved in some sort of world changing project, but they want that project to be whatever their husband is interested in. And they're looking for a guy that inspires them, And they're not, finding these men anymore men who have this huge ambition or level of integrity to make society a better place and i think this comes because we have forgotten what the actual american chad was if you go and i've been reading a lot of family history recently a lot of you know books about early family members or or stuff like that right like about what the men were like you know going into war war ii what men were like on the frontier what their lives were like and the way that their wives interacted and thought about them and these were men that had earned their wives admiration there are men today who think that the reason historically their ancestors women <laughs> admired their husbands were because they had to <laughs> because they were forced to by society.
1: The rules.
0: And it's not that this never happened, but these were the families of the abusive drunkards who, like, everybody looked down on, right? Like, Yeah, these, yeah, these were weren't... seen
1: as, like, the low-class, dysfunctional families. Or the the husbands were victims of, like, literal serial killers who would just find ways to poison them, which happened.
0: Right, what are you talking about? I don't understand.
1: I, I'm saying that, like...
0: Are you referring to a specific incident? Or? Yeah,
1: well, I'm talking about that female serial killer who okay, took a woman.
0: Talk more. I, I don't remember
1: her name want okay. me to look her up i, I i'm no, just no, no. saying i've been added in
0: editing but yeah no so so you yeah you would get these these like really low class men who were like abusive and demanded respect for their wives but this was seen as a low class thing like nobody respected these individuals this does some like weird within our generation th- this is what people would call like trailer trash or something like that right. uh actual your your average woman who respected her husband, if you're talking like pre-World War II period, American colonial period, American frontierist period, this was because the man had earned it through the enormous hardships he went through. That You as a person living in this era cannot, like, like they're not going to be fo- foisted upon you. you. You have to seek them out. You have to seek out the trials of making mankind great And through seeking out those trials, you will attract women. I think a lot of people, when I talk about, you know, my early sexual history and stuff like that, one of the things like, like just, I had enormous sexual success, you know high school college etc and people are like how did this how did this happen you know you do not look like i expect like the mega chad guy to look but i have always had like an intense burning passion to try to fix society and and make the world a better place and plans around how to do that and those were the things that attracted women now guys are like oh great now how do i fake that and the problem is is that if you fake this in order to get women, it won't work. They won't be interested in you. Like they can see through this immediately. You have to actually find something that's meaningful to you and dedicate your life to it. And, and this also works, you know, if you're dedicating your life to a religious cause or to uh, something like that. But. It, it when it's so funny, you know, people talk about monk mode and stuff these days, right? And, and and what they mean when they're talking about this is abstention from things like, you know, whether it's pornography or, or certain types of like fun, like video games, stuff like that, right? And they're just going to work on a project. Whereas often the projects that they dedicate themselves to are self-aggrandizing projects, which defeat the whole purpose of all of this because that is not what attracts women is men who are working on self-aggrandizing projects they are attracted to men who are working on projects for the betterment of society or for the betterment of a cause that that man truly believes in and that you don't need to go monk mode what you need to do where you need to be superhuman is in your ambition and your confidence and your ability to play a role in that ambitious goal and this is what defined the early settlers you know when you were you know reading these old journals of my family of the, the you know going out into the west being in these these environments where everything was against you you could die at any moment everyone around you was dying all the time and the amount of mental and moral fortitude each individual had to have but it led to things like the quote I read before where he was talking about his mom and he goes, my mom always regarded my dad as her personal hero. And that's the thing is men today think that women submitted out of submission, out of this like instinctual sexual desire. Oh yeah. A, like you know, it's, it is their
1: life. nature. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a, I don't know. A, a bird flocking into a certain formation, like oh, they form the V because of the streamline, and and like oh, well the women yeah. form submission because it's the their woman brains, you know, like no. Oh, yeah, which which yeah. I
0: will say, women do do that disproportionately within a sexual context, but you as a guy have to remember the things that turn you on are not the things that affect like what oh, no, no, job you take or, or the- no,
1: that doesn't change it though. So like, okay, you can be turned on by someone being dominant, just like you could be turned on by someone having giant breasts. But guess what? If a woman doesn't have giant breasts, is she gonna turn you
0: on? That makes no sense to me what you just said. A man can be turned on by large boobs, but if Uh a woman doesn't have large boobs, it doesn't turn them on. How does that connect to what you're talking about?
1: It doesn't turn on the man. Well, if a man isn't really dominant, if a man isn't dominant in the way that actually makes a woman feel like she could be comfortable around him and, and surrender to him completely, Okay, then... okay, Okay.
0: so what you're saying is that these men aren't actually dominant. Okay, I yeah. disagree with you here. Strongly, really? I actually disagree with you.
1: So you think yeah, women think can you're... be turned on by fake women. dominance?
0: No, I think that women, the reason why your average woman is turned on by a certain type of dominance, right? And this is turned on within a sexual context, is because uh-huh. the women who weren't when their village was raided and all of the men were killed, ended up being killed themselves. But this is a completely sexual thing. Like this is something that you can do like play in the bedroom or something like that, but it is not that tied to the way they look for long-term partners. That is a different category of what we call dominance in society. So, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this and where I argue that within males and females, there are sort of two different sexualities that I think apply to both genders. Like the things that turn a guy on in porn are not the things that they would necessarily be most turned on by doing with their wife. And that is because historically you know humans had two sets of evolutionary pressures on the way that they related to their partners um one set of evolutionary pressures was uh, if i'm raiding a village am i making sure to impregnate as many people as possible because i'm raiding the village right um and women if i'm in a village that's being raided am i making sure i'm not putting up too much of a fight and so i actually live um but that sexual optimization is completely different from a this is my approved wife within my community these are my legitimate children within my community and i need to make sure that they are seen as respected and empowered so that i can you know intergenerationally move up within status within my community uh, these are two completely different sets of selective pressures and we'll do a full video on this this elsewhere and the evidence for it. But the point being is that men recognize accurately that this sort of like Raider dominance is something that they can use to get women. They meet at bars to sleep with them, but the women who are interested in this form of dominance and who will submit sexually and be like, I'm interested in you as a stranger to like just have sex because of this form of dominance are very, very, very bad marriage candidates. And these are exactly the women who will screw you over and who will divorce grape you. And the reason that is is because you are selecting for the type of woman who was the type of woman who would have betrayed her village when it was raided. <laughs> um, so no of point. course she betrays you. Of course she goes out and cheats with you when she meets some, you know, dominant acting pool boy or plumber or something like that. Who's coming over and visiting your house. Like, like, Of course, that is how you selected her. But then there's the other type of woman who's using a completely different sexual strategy where she is looking for a hero, which is, yes, dominant to her in one way, but it is not necessarily a dominance that is like immediately turning her on. Like some women are immediately turned on by this, but no, this is a woman who's looking for someone To sort of set up shop, as I say, you're not a woman, you don't get to like set up shop in somebody else's life if your life is failing.
1: I mean, it's not like he's a hot girl. He can't just bail on his life and set up shop in someone else's.
0: But a lot of women actually hone themselves as like a tool to be a great tool within somebody else's life. As I say, like within our relationship, one of the ways that we often talked about our relationship early on was sort of sword and wielder relationship, right? Where Simone had worked to hone herself in to the perfect instrument of my will on the world. And and it was through wielding her that my full will, the thing I wanted to accomplish within society, was possible. But a blade is not going to be interested in a feckless master who only uses it for his own self-aggrandizement. It... it, it, it if if a human being was that thing if a human being was this sentient blade they are they know what their purpose is which is to help somebody else make some big impact on society but when a guy's like oh blades I just use those things right the blade's like no I don't want somebody I don't want some barbarian I don't want somebody who just uses me to satisfy their own whims I want somebody who has a righteous mission and that's that is what creates the bond and allows the blade to not turn on its wielder, whereas, or or if the wielder chooses a barbarian blade, like you don't want a barbarian on a blade. A barbarian blade gains its power through, through through being sharpened at its hilt. It cuts both ways, and so in society, you can go ahead and look look for a wife like this, and. A lot of men are out there, the the women who are looking for, sorry, the women who are looking for these righteous men, they are not finding them. And I am seeing this, and I'm even seeing this with men that I talk to. You know, a lot of these men, they say, well, I'm going to wait till I'm like extra wealthy, then I'm going to go out and find a good wife. But that's not looking for a wife who's helping you make your wealth. That's not looking for a wife who's on this journey together with you. That is saying that once I have this ultra high level of status, I'm going to use it to get a supplicant. And those supplicant wives are really low quality
1: wives. The ideal relationship.
0: Yeah. and, And I just keep seeing this from a lot of guys who I think are otherwise like sane and know that they should be going out there. And then, of course, there's like the black pill guys that are just like, there's no women out there that are like this. There's no women out there that won't betray you. And that's just like objectively not true there are lots of women who have been in long-term stable relationships with somebody it 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 may be increasingly true if you're older like if you wait to find a wife until like your late 20s yeah okay that might be true but you know i guess in society today somebody's like but doesn't everybody wait to find a wife until their late 20s not the smart good men those men are laughing at the women long before that because they understand the game
1: yeah i guess one one strategy that could work for men who are older is to get like right on the rebound divorces like women whose first marriage didn't work out for whatever reason because they
0: maybe I'd be aiming for widows widows only for me
1: widows only yeah I don't know but I, I do I, I think it's it's a it's a two way street so I mean while I am saying like guys out there are not delivering something that's worth the hassle for women like why would they bother especially like in the u.s too with with sperm donation like it's just so easy like even if a woman wants to have her own kids it's mm-hmm. super easy to have your own kids as a woman in the u.s and be a single mother i mean no okay it's, it's it's hard to be a single mother right but like you can do it and frankly with a lot of the men out there it would it seems a lot easier to do that and not deal with the baggage yeah. of the guy right
0: but, but also i mean keep in mind so i'd say this is guys Women are human beings too. Like they want their lives to matter. Very few humans, or at least with any sort of genetic stock that I would be interested in marrying, are going to be genuinely satisfied being a servant to another human just to be a servant to another human. Human beings who, who gain satisfaction from serving another person gain it because they believe in that person's mission. Like ultimately they're serving that person's mission not that person themselves. Whereas a lot of this sort of, I'd say Mm. over red-pilled mindset, thinks that you can get a good wife, like an actual like really high quality woman to sacrifice her entire life just in service of you and your vanities. And and a lot of these missions are just vanities. Like if it's just a company for a company's sake, that's a personal vanity. If it's you're honing your body for its own sake, that's a personal vanity. And and you are not going to get the highest quality of women if you are still focused on individual vanity. And monk mode itself can be a form of vanity if it's not being sharpened and focused into some mission.
1: Totally. I, I always sort of took monk mode to be like, the male equivalent of like I'm in my spa detox month or whatever like where like I'm just taking this is self care, I, I have no time for friends right now, I'm just gonna be watching movies and eating clean and doing pilates and like it just yeah what does that mean for the world and it, it, I actually do recall now like yeah you you didn't try to sell me on yourself on our first date. You sold me on your vision for the world. And what we initially came in aligned on was a vision, not on like, you know, oh, I think I mean, I obviously did.
0: I I, I sat you down. I said, I'm looking for a wife. Here's what Mm -hmm. I want to do. Like, here's here's the problems I think the world is facing and how I think Mm -hmm. we can resolve.
1: Yeah. And so I, I think when nations are looking at demographic collapse, it's we we always hammer home this like it, it it's culture you have to fix culture but a big part of that culture is creating young men and women who are worth marrying <laughs> Who are really well, and, well have agency
0: and belief in their agency on society. So the problem yeah. you have in an environment like China or South Korea is a lot of young men are raised to believe that no matter what they do, they can only be a tool of the system. Yeah. When you completely castrate and defang young men, you create men that women don't want to marry. Um, yeah. yeah. But beyond this-
1: that, I think, you know, in China, frankly, I think a lot of women would get married even to men who don't have visions, even if it's just if they weren't if they weren't assholes and if they actually yeah, like hold they- their weight and if they brought something to the table. And I, again, I'm thinking back to like those 1950s, like 1940s to 1960s guides to life that I'm so obsessed with those little coronet films, instructional videos that they used to show to high school kids in the dating and relationship videos. A very common theme is like remember no one's going to care about you unless you bring your thing to the table. You know, and for women it's like, here's how to be a good housekeeper. Here's how to manage the family finances. Here's how to fix clothes. Here's how to make sure the family has the right nutrition. You know, here's how to, and then like for men it's, it's like, here's, you know, here's how to be polite. Here's how to budget. Well, here's how to, you know, be kind to your wife. Here's how to support your family. And like each person was raised culturally to understand that like you have this burden of responsibility to bring something to your relationship. And right now the perspective is totally flipped. It's, well, what about me? What is, what's in it for me? Yeah, what um, am I
0: getting out of this? And, and yeah,
1: the, like, no one is thinking, the, what can I give? What can I give?
0: So often from, from these men, these like total black pilled men who are like all negative on relationships. And like, it, it's only about divorce rape, It's only about et cetera. And they're like, what do I as a man get out of marrying a woman? and it's like the moment like like and and when as soon as somebody says that i'm like i understand why you were graped now i get why you got divorced great because you're the type of person who would see the world like that because you are the type of person who asks how the other person is benefiting you personally rather than looking for somebody on a combined mission and -hmm. then this is what i'm saying was like well how do you know she won't like betray you Because of her, like, instincts or her womanliness will lead her to betray you or her <laughs> stealth motivation. It's like, bro, like, we're on the same mission. We're on the same quest. There is no reason to betray me so long as I am competently moving towards that quest. There is no temptation for betrayal so long as we are on this mission together. Her entire life is in service to this mission. Like, why would she betray somebody else who is competently fighting for the same goal? It's when you structure yourself as somebody who's asking, what do I get out of this? okay, what, what do I get out of this arrangement? That means the people who you're in an arrangement with are thinking the same thing. What do I get out of this? Because that is a way that you have framed the construction of a relationship, which historically was not what relationships were about. You did not get into a relationship thinking, what do I get out of this? And so many men today think that. They're like, what do I get? And then and then they use it for this weird like masculine self-validation where they raise themselves up within their own instincts of what it means to be masculine through the denigration of the women in their lives and their wives. Whereas anything I think that you do to your wife, you should be comfortable having done to your daughter. And if you would not enthusiastically encourage another man to treat your daughter that way, then you should not be treating your wife that way, because that is the way that your daughters will expect to be treated in their relationships. And and I think a lot of people are like, aren't you worried about when your daughters start dating? Not at all. Not I mean, if they're out there dating and looking for somebody to change the world with, that's great. You know, do whatever you want with my daughter. If you're working effectively together to, to enact some goal and and vision you have for the world. Um, But The reason why these guys are afraid of people dating their daughters is they're afraid that people will see their daughters the way that they saw their wives, as sexual conquests that uh, that's primary utility is how they augment their own status. and And that branch of humanity, if it doesn't die off, will enter the barbarian classes. As, As when I talk about the barbarian classes, as people know, we talk about the the enemies of pernatalism, you have the urban monoculture, which is one of the enemies, but then you have the future problem, which is that most of the high fertility cultural groups these days are technophobic, low economically productive, like that's how they get their fertility rates high by artificially lowering their income, and very, very xenophobic. And th- these are the uh, future enemy of most of the pernatalist cultures, because these are not going to be economically or technologically meaningful groups within the human future. And they just hinder us and or a threat to us. The, the humans that will one day uh, populate the galaxy. And, and so when I talk about somebody descending to the, the barbarians, you know, that's, that's the, they're the people who will be left on Earth as, as the humans that were technologically engaged and economically productive in uh, populating the stars.
1: There you have it.
0: Anyway, that's why you shouldn't be a Chad. You should be the, the 1920s, 1910s version of a Chad. Anyway, love you to death, Simone.
1: I love you too, Malcolm.
0: Or the Braveheart Chad. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> yeah, Braveheart Chad. That works. <laughs>